As you're getting your seat, uh, I just want to make sure I'm informing you of a wonderful opportunity that we have uh, been able to partner with. Um, the Chestnut Mountain Ranch, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Chestnut Mountain Ranch, but a wonderful, phenomenal ministry uh, that was started by C Steve Finn and his wife as they moved up from Georgia to come to West Virginia with a vision to help boys, to help boys become men, and that's not just a, a song or, or a group we're talking about here, okay, which anybody know boys and men? Yeah. Oh, on bended knee, come on somebody, all right. However, all right, we, uh, starting out this year, are going to take an opportunity to invest uh, in the Chestnut Mountain Ranch. Uh, I will have you know also, uh, tomorrow night as a board, uh, we'll be meeting and ratifying uh, about 11 people that we are going to be picking up uh, through our missions giving every single month, uh, different people and different organizations that we are going to be giving to, one of them from the church every single month will be the Chestnut Mountain Ranch as our desire. Ryan, amen? Okay, uh, that was board approval. Uh, that's not official because we're not meeting right now. But uh, we're going to be giving to them as well as a lot of other missional um, endeavors and emphasis throughout the globe. But we want to make sure that we look around us, and I think that's so important. We have an opportunity to invest in a ministry that helps boys literally become men of God, placed into jobs, placed back into their homes, families being healed by the good news message of Jesus Christ because of the Chestnut Mountain Ranch. So what we're going to do is partner with them. I have 200 of these, 200 of these that we are going to give out next week, all right, that you're going to actually take next week because you're going to commit next week to saying, I will help to bring change. And what we believe and desire by the help of an anonymous donor at this point, is that we as a church, you, us, can raise up to $9,000 because they will match us penny for penny, $9,000. So we can potentially raise, do the math, $18,000, holla at your boy. If we can start the year giving to others that, that we get no return for, I'm telling you what, it is setting us up for God blessing. You know, I'm just, I'm excited for it because we want to go even further into what he wants us to do. I would love for our budget, this would be so cool, stupid crazy dream, that we don't have 10% that goes out of giving, that we could live off 10 and give 90 as a church. Wouldn't that be amazing to do that much good for God? I think it'd be awesome. So why not dream big? You know what? We can do this together. We can do whatever we want because God is able, all right? Um, so this is going to be given out to you next week. I believe that we are going to change many lives by what may seem, seemingly be just spare change to you, um, but we're going to use change, and we're going to use those greenbacks too. And also, you can even put checks in there. How about that, all right? Because uh, we're believing that it's going to be amazing, all right? And today we're starting a, a new focus uh, for us. I wouldn't say it's necessarily... Uh, straight up preaching series as much as just a new uh, focus that we have had over the last, well, developed over the last year. Uh, February, we had a meeting as a leadership team and pulled together with a, a lot of, pulled together a lot of information as to what our church was at that point and what our church should become. So over the last year with a lot of work and a lot of help uh, and a lot of intervention, uh, we, we've boiled down as much as we can, okay, as much as we can because we want to make this as simple as as possible because is life complicated should church be all right so you will go to churches probably a lot of times that have 55 core values on the wall uh, that will have all kinds of things that it seems like Jesus couldn't even walk in we are trying to simplify things in such a way that we walk like Jesus walked okay so these are going to be just three three independent 
focal points that we're going to touch over the next three weeks, including this one. And these are going to be just the starting point of our core values. Three. Is that okay with you? Simplifying it that much? All right. Uh, Because I want to make things as memorable as possible so that we can move as quickly as possible. Okay? Because we've got something to do. So it's who we are. And where we're going. So that's the goal. So again, we have boiled down a lot of information over the last year to just three small statements that we want to just live by as much as possible that is absolutely backed by Scripture. And that's the key, all right? Because we don't want to deviate from God's Word whatsoever in anything we do. So one of those key things uh, that we stumbled upon uh, from the feedback from our leadership team is is something that was... uh, Probably one of the, the, the greatest strengths that was heralded around the room um, was that of a, a, a loving environment. And uh, this past Christmas Eve was super, super special in this room. We had literally double the amount of people that we had last year who came for Christmas. You guys brought like your whole family. I was so proud of you. All right, double the amount of people. But there was something very unique happening within the room there was just an overflow of love. I felt like there was just such genuine authenticity and community that was happening. There was just a love that was in the room that, that day. But I think it's just something that God's really trying to do here. So we're trying to capture this uh, in some terminology that makes sense uh, from things that you can walk out with. And, and the number one thing that we want to focus on based upon feedback is being a place that is known as an authentic community. An authentic community, okay? So this is going to be our our first stop on the journey. And the statement for that would be we live in genuine and loving relationships. That We live in genuine and loving relationships. That is the number one desire, the starting point for us as a church, is that we are a place that is absolutely authentic. Have you been to church before and you felt the lack of authenticity? Okay? I was about to quit church altogether in college because of the lack of authenticity. Does that make sense? Was not going to become a pastor because I did not like the church and the lack of authenticity. All right? However, the only way you can bring the greatest change to things is for me answering the call and getting in it, but getting into something to bring change. For us, an opportunity that we have as a church is to be an authentic community to Morgantown and beyond. When we define, you know I'm big on definitions because they always slip from my mind. When we define the word authentic, we see, and this is really really eye-opening, it was to me at least when I was defining it for myself to be defined before you. Authentic, conforming to an original. So authenticity has to be based off of something, right? A lot of times we think to be authentic, we're basing ourselves off of ourselves. But to be authentic, it has to be based off of something, whatever we're trying to judge or, or to understand better. So we see that it's something that is conforming to an original. This is going to make sense later. Something that is made or done the same way. This is just the definitions. It's so crazy. Made or done the same way. Something that is not false or an imitation. Right? Anybody ever watch like uh, American Pickers or, or watch the uh, pawn shop shows? You ever see that? And somebody comes to you and be like, man, I've got this great piece right here. It was mine from the Mayans. It was biblical. And they're like, um, that's fake. Isn't that? Don't you feel so bad for them? They literally quit their job. They quit their job to go to the pawn shop. 
right? And then you see him leaving. I, mean, I thought that was real. Man. I, that was it. That was, it's from the Mayans. It's like, no, it's not. It's from McDonald's, okay? It's a French fry, all right? They will last that long. Be careful, all right? Not false or imitation. Lastly, to be genuine, real, and even reliable. I did not expect that out of authentic. I did not expect reliability to be part of uh, the defining words of this term, authentic. I didn't expect it. And you think about it. Something has to be authored from somebody. It has to begin from some place. And as a church, we know where we get our identity and our beginning. Through Christ Jesus. And this is our desire to conform to an original. And, and, and there's scripture coming, okay? To conform to an original. To, to be made or done the same way, we have something we're doing here, to be made or done the same way, not falsified or something that is imitated, but something that is genuine, real, and reliable. We will shut this thing down if we lose this. Because I don't want to be a part of something like that. I'll work at Walmart and give out stickers and be so happy. <laughs> and there's, no, there's literally nothing wrong with that. I would love that. It'd be great. I get to talk to everybody, and then I just give them a sticker. It's like, this is heaven, you know? And then I find out when the good deals are happening before everybody else does. It'll be wonderful. But we'll shut it down. We'll quit. Mm-mm. If we're lacking authenticity, guys, let's, we'll be done with this. This is it's worthless. It's because we're not being like Christ. If we're being like us, that's not good. We need to be like him. The second part of this is community. The second term that we want to define just by Webster, it makes sense, is a group of people living in the same place or having particular characteristics in common. A group of people. How many of you guys live in Morgantown? Oh, that makes sense. You live in Morgantown, so you go to Morgantown Church. But sometimes people say they drive for a church that's alive. Amen. However, most people live in this community, all right? And we have particular characteristics in common. Where are my crow ghettos? Where are my crow ghettos? If you know here, you know what I'm talking about. You know where everything's at, and you can get in and out of there quick, right? But then there's the crow Gucci's. You love the experience, and you want your Starbucks. It's okay. I won't hate you. Damani, I won't hate you. You know? You know I love you, bro. We got things in common. How many of you guys are sitting in a pew today? We got things in common, even here. All right, some of our kids go to the same school. Some of you graduated from WVU. Some of you teach at the university. You work at the hospital. We have things in common, but way more than that, we have things in common. We have a common Savior, the Savior, Christ Jesus, living in us. Man, I'm pumped for this. I'm ready for this. We have things in common that I'm believing not everybody else has in this community. This ain't church against church. I'm just saying people don't have it who are not a part of a church yet. You get what I'm saying? See, it's a feeling of fellowship. Man, strong word, right? Fellowship. A lot of times it sounds like a, a Christianese church word, right? Fellowship, right? But no, 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 that's something that, that we have in common, that we are together, that there is a community forming in this understanding that there is fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes Interests and goals. If we can get these three things that you'll be hearing about over the next week down pat, I think that we can really move forward a lot faster. I mean, we're working trying to clear everything up within the church. All the organizational components, every single thing as much as possible, because we want to do what we have to do 
physically possible so God can do what he wants to do spiritually impossible. That kind of made sense, but not really. We just want to clear the way for him. That's the goal. So whatever we can do, whatever we can do physically to clear the way so he can do what he wants to do supernaturally and spiritually, so be it. All right? But we have to make sure that an authentic community is in place. So important. And this is in and only through Christ Jesus. So we're going to be reading in the book of John today. We're going to be reading um, with, with, with a moment in time where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. You know of it as the Last Supper, okay? And we're going to celebrate that and, and remember that today as well at the end of service. So it's all going to make sense and it's, it's all going to be clear. But we're sitting down with Jesus and his disciples and we're listening in to his directions, to, to, to his, his forward progress conversation with them because he's desiring that in and through him, through them, that the church will be created and sustained by the spirit of God that's in them, moving and willing and helping them along the way. So what we get to do is sit in and listen on a conversation that applied to them and applies to us as well today. All right. So one of the key scriptures that has messed me up pertaining to authentic community is this. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus speaking to his disciples. And think about this. When he uses this word command, think about what they grew up in with, with um, their, their, their Jewish culture, all the rules and regulations that were placed above the ten, all of these, these cultural norms that they had to adhere to, all the things that made them feel as though they never measured up, that they weren't good enough, that they never did enough to be a part of anything religious, let alone a movement of God. Okay, And then here comes Jesus boiling things down. A lot of people don't like it. They want to make things complex. But Jesus came to simplify things for us so that we can walk out and make a change within our community through him, through the spirit that's in us. He says this, a new command I give you. Again, watching people walk into the cafe area, they're like, oh, geez, it's new. It's I get the same way. When I go home and cares move things around, y'all, it is hard on a brother. It is hard on a brother. I don't like change. But then after the fact, I'm like, I really love this, baby. She goes, I told you. All right? But he says a new command. It's like, oh, Jesus, something else? He's like, no, 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 no. Listen here. You know, while we're sitting at the table. This is, this is something that's going to be revolutionary. This is going to be something that's going to change the world. This command I'm giving you, these few words that I'm laying out before you, is going to change your life, but it's going to change so many others' lives for eternity, years and years to come in your life, but years and years beyond your life and years and years in our lives. Now this change, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. He says, love one another. And he doesn't just leave that by itself. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. See, Jesus is only uh, able to give them a partial view of the fullness of his love. Think about that. He's thinking, you know, they're, they're sitting at the table with Jesus, and he says, love one another as I have loved you. He's prob they're probably thinking, like, man, it's been so much fun as we've been able to walk with Jesus on all of these, these journeys, you know. Uh, man, he... He, we're hungry, and he's like, hey, let's multiply the fish. You know, let's multiply the loaves. Everybody's going to eat. Let's do this. And he's, and he's healing this person over here and miracles over there. And, and he's like, man, they, Jesus just, they're like, man, he just really loves us. 
But see, the fullness of that love had not yet been realized. We have an opportunity to look back with the full understanding of Jesus' love. We hang a cross on the wall to remember what he did. Not one with him on it, one with him off of it, because we, we worship a resurrected Savior. See, we have a perspective and an understanding that they didn't even get then. You get what I'm saying? However, their hearts were gripped by this seemingly insignificant small statement that he is giving to them. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. You must do this. And here's why, guys. Here's why. Listen in. By this, this love that you have for one another, the way they watch you do life and care for each other. See, when they watch that, guys, this is what they're going to say. Man, they are disciples of Christ. They look like him, the things they're doing. They talk like him. They act like him. They are, they are like little Jesus is running around. This is exciting when you think about this because this is not just applicable to then. It's applicable to now. And a lot of times we leave Scripture in its place in time versus bringing Scripture to this place in time. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, they were the apostles and the first disciples, but we have an opportunity to do the same now, okay? And have, have also give, been given this command. So again, we see Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples. And there's some key things that I want to highlight before we get into a little more scripture. I want to highlight and just kind of fly over some of the things that Jesus was talking with them about. Because again, this was a, this was a big dinner date. A lot of things that Jesus wanted to cover because he was about to go to the cross. Okay? This was like his time to cover everything that he wanted them to get and understand. So we see him teaching them on what it looks like to be authentic. To be authentic, not to, to, to live in an authentic community, but to be authentic in all that they do in the world around them. We see, like I just read in verse 34 of chapter 13, this new command to have love for one another, a different type of love, right? We understand it completely as a self-sacrificial, and we'll see that more in just a moment. He challenges them, and hello, Jesus. He challenges them in chapter 14. Verse 1, he challenges them not to worry. I don't know about you guys, but I was encouraged reading this, all right? Because my, my go-to sometimes is, is something like, well, I'm afraid that this is not, or I'm afraid that that's not. That's worry. That's fear. And he's challenging them because it's not going to be easy on this journey, disciples. Listen, I'm challenging you not to worry, but trust in God. And like, okay, I can get that, but he's saying also, trust in me. Haven't I always been trustworthy for you? Guys, haven't you always seen me come through in the ways needed? He said, trust in me as well. I love this. Verse 6 of, of chapter 14, he says, look, I'm the way, the truth, and life. A lot of times we hear these things out of context, don't we? This was all around the table, so they think. We're on the garden to Gethsemane on the journey. This was all the conversation pieces that Jesus wanted to have with his disciples, so they got this before he was gone. You get what I'm saying? Last thing I tell our kids before we leave or do anything, I said, listen, make good decisions. Make good decisions. That's what I say. Make good decisions. I simplify it down to that because you're responsible for what you decide. Jesus is boiling down all of this 
right? In many ways, love for one another, but there's a lot of other things he wanted to make sure they got as well, that he is the way, the truth, and life. No way to the Father but through him. Don't let anybody tell you any different, guys, as you continue from this place. He says in verse 12 of chapter 14, because of Jesus and the Spirit's work, that they will do greater things. You remember hearing that too? You're going to do greater things. And I always wondered, what did that mean? Does that mean that our miracles that he does through us are going to be bigger and badder with pyrotechnics and lighting and fog and smoke? It's like, Moses, no, 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 no. This is what's so sweet. The underlying tone and understanding is the Spirit's work. The Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit's work. And he says, you're going to do greater things because, listen, if every one of you in this room prayed prayers of faith and God came through on that time, you still continue to pray even if he doesn't come through in that way as you expect. Imagine if all of us did that at the same time as we leave this place and all of a sudden, Instead of just one person praying for healing or for divine intervention in some way, all of us were doing it? Do you think that's greater? Numerically, it is. It's everybody embodying that. Not just Jesus or the disciples, but everyone as the Spirit leads, guides, and directs. Okay? Greater things. He says, ask in my name. And it will be given to you. And this was something, too, because it's like, Lord, I want that Learjet so I can travel and spread the good news message of Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of people will name it, claim. I see you, Matt. You're like covering all the bases there, aren't you? All right. But you, you hear this a lot, right? Ask and ye shall receive. If the Spirit of God is in you, you will not ask for anything out of selfish desire. If he is leading and guiding your thoughts, your heart, your prayer life, you'll be like, Jesus, I want to see someone just miraculously healed for your glory, not because of me putting hands on them. Do you get what I'm saying? Because it ain't about you. It's about him moving through you. And who gets glory? He does, not you. So when you think about asking in his name, it's not about for you to, to all of a sudden more zeros are added to the end of your checks. That's not what it's about. Unless you want to give it all away, right? It's not about that. It's different, okay? It's different. Ask in his name. And he promises the Holy Spirit, as we, as we were talking about just now, one who is a counselor and brings truth. He speaks truth, the word of God, into our lives. He illuminates. If he breathed it, right? If he inspired it in the heart of man, the Spirit of God, I think I want to try to, to understand it through him as well, right? I don't want to try to do it on my own because I can't. I mess everything up on my own. But through him, I can, through the Spirit of God because he is the counselor and he'll bring, he'll, bring, he'll bring truth to the situation. In verse 26, he'll teach you all things. He'll help you. He's a teacher. He'll show you what you need to know. And Jesus says in verse 27, I leave you with peace, the spirit of peace that is the Holy Spirit. See, it's all through the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 15, we're, we're going to land today. He starts speaking about the vine and the branches, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. And it's talking about us. It's talking about us as well, being connected to him. And apart from him, we can do nothing and we are nothing. I don't know if you realize this, but grapes symbolized Israel's fruitfulness and doing God's work on earth. So when you think about the vine and the branches and the fruit that he wants to produce through your life, through his spirit, 
right? It's by way of us staying and remaining in him. I underlined it in my Bible, remain, 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 remain. So many times, even into verse 9, and this is where it changes. So as I have been given this love, and I have partially displayed the fullness of this love to you, let your joy be complete in me. It's Jesus saying, let your joy be complete. Now we're going to move into verses 12 through 17. And you think about this when it comes to joy. We talked about it during Christmas. It gives us the ability to get beyond a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, or whatever, and see what God is trying to do in the midst of us. Does that make sense? Joy is a perception of situations that we wouldn't normally have unless we have the Spirit of God helping us, counseling us, giving us the truth, showing us what we need in Scripture, and all these kinds of things. He says that my joy may be complete in you. John 15, 12 through 17. Jesus says again, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. It's conditional. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you, right? So that you might go and bear fruit. It makes sense when we talk about the grape again, right? Fruitfulness. A lot of times we think about fruitfulness as only kingdom expansion and souls being saved, but no, it's being an authentic community that brings joy and love and encouragement as well. That's fruitfulness too. Bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. See, when you hear that again, it makes even more sense when you understand the background about why we ask and who we filter our requests through. Does that make sense? Not just to get what you want out of life, to get what God wants with your life, okay? That's what that is. He says, this is my command, love each other. So a few things that I just want to glean from that, and then we're going to move into communion here very soon. When we look at this scripture, and again, I always try to boil down as much as possible the main idea and what, what's happening here and what we can take with us and apply in real time. We see in John 13, 12 through 14, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. For us, our job, our duty, our opportunity is to love with Christ's love. And this can be hard sometimes because none of us measure up to him. But our goal is to try to be like him. Not a fake, an imitation of him. Not that kind, but something that has been reproduced to be like him today. And this love is so different, isn't it? When now us having the full picture, we see the fullness of his self-sacrificial love. Does this make sense? So for us, we're like, okay, I can see what this means. But the disciples didn't quite get that yet. We have an opportunity, I believe, right now as an authentic community, one that is genuine and loving, a chance to show folk what this really looks like. Derek, like you shared about the Samaritan, not to step over our neighbors, not to run around our neighbors, 
but to go to our neighbors, whomever they are, wherever they're at, right? With that love, love one for another. So important. The second thing, this is, not a, this is a, a get to, not a have to kind of love. John 15, 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. And you think about this. Uh, this is a get to, not a have to. If, if you are a servant to somebody, uh, if, you, if you work for somebody, they tell you what to do for your job, right? See, Jesus is flipping it here now. He's saying, look, for so long, you, you have just done uh, what I do because you're, you're just following. But here's what you're going to do. I'm going to make you one that knows what to do through the Spirit of God. And you are going to go out, right? Because you get to, not because you have to. Do you understand the difference there? I've had to really change that. You know, when we were putting together this, um, this calendar right here, I don't know about you guys, but when I see a bunch of stuff on a calendar, I'm like, oh, my, that, oh, that's a lot. Oh, I know, do you know what that's going to take to happen? Oh, that's, that's a lot of conversations there. That's a couple meetings. Um, that's, ooh, that's on the weekend. There's, oh, well, there's four weekends in a row, no opportunity. But you know what I'm saying by this? And my job and desire in this new season of life is to look at things as if I get to do it, not that I have to do it. You get to go to work every day. You get to be a student. Sometimes I'm going to take my kids and drop them off in a third world country and be like, what do you think about that? You know what I mean? They're not that bad, but you know what I'm saying. Or drop anybody off and be like, what do you think about that? You think you have it terrible. We get to be alive right now. We get to share the good news message of Jesus Christ right now. We get to make a difference in society and the lives of those around us. We are responsible for this, not because we have to, but because we get to. It is a privilege and an honor to serve you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me light in Scripture and the, 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 the illumination of Scripture by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, Jesus, because I see what I get to do, not what I got to do. Well, I better go out and witness today. Do you know Jesus? He's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to my life. Before I was saved, I was really unhappy. But now I'm so happy. It's something I get to do, Pat. Who wants that? I'm like, if that's what it's about, I'm out. We'll shut it down if it's not authentic, but if it's also not something that we get to do. Imagine if we all had that spirit. Man, we would light this town, this state, this whatever up. If I get to come to church and contribute, I get to worship God. I get to give towards Chestnut Mountain Ranch to help these boys meet Jesus and change their families. I get to do that. God, I'm alive right now for this. This is nuts. I didn't expect this, God. This, I, this is so exciting. I get to do this. And I have to go to work today. Quit your job. Go ahead. I got to serve my family. No, you ain't got to do anything. You get to. You get what I'm saying? I have to love my wife. No, you don't have to. No, you, you get to love your wife. Yes, you have to love. But you know what I'm saying. I got to take care of these kids. You get to take care of them kids. Ask somebody who doesn't have kids or couldn't have kids how they feel about that. You know what I'm saying? We get 
to do this. I get to do this. I get to serve the Foundry Church. I get to serve you. I don't have to do this because I can hand out stickers at Walmart and be just fine. And again, there's nothing wrong with that job. I get to do this. So I'm going to put on my big boy pants every day and walk out my house saying, I get to do this. I'm going to put on my jammy pants in the morning. Mm, my slippers? Come on, somebody. I'm ready to get back in them right now. I get to love my family. You get what I'm saying? It's a privilege and an honor to serve you, Jesus, to share the good news message of Jesus Christ because you've let me in. You've called me a friend in this thing. You don't make me serve you. I get to follow you and lead people to you, right? Jesus says, for everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You get it now. Worship team, if you guys can make your way up. A last thought before we head into communion is this. We live out of a love that will last. Community takes time to build, doesn't it? We're coming up on five years as a church from our very first service in March. 3-15-15. Five years. It's coming. Coming. So excited. So overwhelmed with God's goodness and faithfulness as we think back. You get what I'm saying? Nobody could have sustained this. Do you know most church plants fail within like the first two years? Did you guys know that? Churches typically are a set-up, tear-down situation, meaning every single week they meet in a school or they meet in some sort of place that, that it's really hard to create community in sometimes, right, as far as a building goes. You know, a lot of churches, it doesn't work for them. And we look back over the last five years and how God has guided us every single step of the way, and it's not because of me, and it's not because of Kara, and it's not because, no, it's because of the Spirit of God sustaining us every single step of the way. And that's what he wants to do with your life. Think about it. He wants to create something through his spirit, a love that will last. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Can you, can you take that in for a moment? A lot of you feel like you might be looked over. Damaged goods, back burner, not good enough, too many mistakes, messed up too much. There's no way that he would choose me. For fun this week, Go back and study the disciples. I don't know. Study somebody in the Old Testament like David. Study people of Scripture and who God loved and used in tremendous ways. Jesus was showing us that I love you for who you are now, but even more for who you will become. See, he was creating a love that would last. He chose them. He chooses you and appoints you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name will be given to you. He says, this is my command. Love each other. It carries a little deeper meaning now, doesn't it? He sits at the table with them. He's like, this is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to understand. This is about love. If you desire to be authentic and to be in a community, it's got to be about love. This is why God sent his only begotten son, because he 
loves us and has never stopped loving us. And he's the only one that can get us straight. You know that. None of us can do it on our own or through us. But through him. There's no way to the Father but through him. So this morning we're going to transition to a time of communion. And what we found has worked best thus far, because everything's an experiment it seems over the last five years, is we're going to hand out the communion, the cup and the bread to you as we sing this morning one song. And then after that, you're going to partake with me and us together. And the challenge that I have for you during this time is to examine your heart, examine your faith walk. Are you a believer? Okay? Do you believe that Christ Jesus not only died for you, but has chosen you to bear fruit? Right? Think about these things. Do you believe that? Because it's the belief that changes things. It's the belief that Christ Jesus died and was resurrected, but also for you. Okay? That it's a personal relationship with God through Him. Okay? So as, as we receive these, and you guys can start passing them out now, ushers, if you'd like. As you receive these elements this morning that are symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, can you please examine your heart with me as I examine mine to see if there's anything that separates me from him, any, any sin that I know and may not know. Just take a moment and get in the room and sit at the table with Jesus. Grab a hold of his love in a new way. Experience this in a new way this morning. Begin to think this is our first line of response, making sure that you have that personal walk. Because all of us have sinned and have fallen short, but we have an opportunity to receive grace this morning through the forgiveness bought by Christ Jesus to journey with Him. So we're going to sing this morning. Just hold the elements, and then we'll partake together in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at foundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Foundry WV.